smartcast you are listening to a mint production brought to you by hd smartcast hello and welcome to mint i am nasreen sultana i am an assistant editor at mint i keep a close track of all that is happening in the world of stock markets you are listening to all things markets where i speak to experts analyzing the big trends moving the stock markets despite the serious impact of covid-19 pandemic on the indian and global economy the year 2020 is ending on a positive note for stock market investors markets are at fresh highs as we are set to enter the year 2021 However, it is a foreign liquidity driven rally and there is a question about how long will this rally last in Indian markets in the year 2021. To discuss that, I'm joined by Shayun Mukherjee, head of India Equity Research Nomura. Hi Shayun, always a pleasure to have you on the show. Welcome. Hi Nasreen, thanks. So Shayun, as we were discussing a while back, you seem to be a bit cautious about indian markets i understand there is a virus concern but what i want to know from you is what leads your outlook for indian markets in 2021 now so we actually uh, have seen a very strong rally right i mean sometime towards the later half of uh, this calendar year uh, right. you know there was uh, risk on a uh, lot of liquidity in the market uh, which helped move the stocks higher also uh, if you see the quarterly results turned out to be somewhat better than what people were expecting particularly the second quarter was actually quite good because you know the listed universe uh, was able to cut cost there was a lot of uh, impact of pent up demand because q1 of the fiscal year was a washout i think people uh, got excited with that supported by liquidity and also uh, the news on the covid front started to improve if you look at india uh, we had uh, you know the number of cases coming down after it peaked in september uh, incrementally the news flow on the vaccines front uh, turned out positive so these were the ingredients which uh, fueled the market rally and now today as we see the valuations for the market if you look at nifty for instance it is touching close to 23 times one year forward Uh, which is more than you know what we had seen as an average, which is typically high teen uh, mm-hmm. kind of a valuation multiple. So given uh, this uh, strong rally uh, that we had seen, I think it is appropriate to kind of step back and see where the fundamentals are. And our assessment is that fundamentals are actually uh, lagging behind. I think it would be inappropriate to extrapolate the strength in some of the data points that we have seen. in the recent past because you know we we kind of had a unprecedented situation almost 60% or more of the economy was shut down mm. for the large part of you know quarter 1 so when you shut down something and then it starts opening up you know you do see a surge because of uh, pent up demand also uh, you know as economy opens up the quantum of activities Uh, is typically a lot higher than when it is in a steady state also companies you know are still cautious with covid in the sense that you still do not know how things will play out so companies tend to you know keep a lot more inventory with them 
right. and therefore you kind of supply those inventories. So that is not an indication of the end demand, end consumer demand. So all these factors actually give you an impression that uh, you know the numbers are quite strong and there's a strong recovery. But these factors uh, beyond a point will not last, whether it is filling up the inventory or the pent-up demand, it tends to kind of uh, fade away. So I think that's the concern that we carry. And uh, when we look at some of these high-frequency data, uh, you know, it doesn't convince us that there is a sustained recovery. And there is a good chance, uh, you know, of things actually slowing down. So for instance, you know, if you look at electricity data, which looks good on a year-on-year basis, but we need to recall, you know, uh, we need to remember that last year was a weak base because of heavy monsoon and, you know, the demand from agriculture, which is almost 18 or 20 percent of the total electricity demand, you know, fell quite significantly. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there is this work from home, which also, uh, you know, uh, is leading to higher residential uh, electricity consumption, for instance. So, and when you when you look at in details, for instance, in some of these high uh, you know high frequency data, we realize that uh, there are risks around. Also, uh, uh, the fact of the matter is that you know what our analysis suggests is that if you look at the first half, right? I mean, quarter one and quarter two of the fiscal year, uh, you know, cumulatively we had around 190 billion dollar uh, compression in the overall economy. You know, our analysis suggests that the most of this impact has been borne by the households. Uh, mm. In fact, the government's impact is just around 30%. Right. right. And the remaining 70% is either borne by the household or smaller businesses. The larger businesses actually managed well because they could cut down costs, right, by reducing wages or by, uh, you know, uh, cutting costs, which impacts the smaller businesses. Mm. And smaller businesses would tend to pass on this impact to their employees. So I feel that, uh, you know, we will, uh, you know, the, the consumer or the households have seen the most impact of, 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 of this slowdown. Right. And to that extent, I think the, and remember, I mean, even before uh, the COVID hit us in March, uh, mm. you know, things were slowing down. Yes. And, 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 the, and, and we, we, have, we were seeing the propensity to spend actually fell in fiscal 20 mm. uh, compared to the previous year. So mm. I think... Uh, there are structural issues on the demand side. Also, there are structural issues uh, which the banking system faced, you know, and and the credit growth wasn't as strong. And we had seen slowdown in credit, which still, by the way, continues. So overall, I think all these are uh, indicators that we need to, uh, you know, give some more time and analyze this uh, high-frequency data rather than jumping to a conclusion. So our view is that whatever rally you have seen in the market, a dominant part of that rally is driven by liquidity. And at the margin, of course, I mean, our view is that liquidity may remain strong, but Mm -hmm. the kind of flows that you have seen, incrementally, it may not be as strong as it was, you know, earlier. Uh, And therefore, I think, uh, you know, the growth uh, may disappoint or disappoint the expectations, at least uh, in the shorter term. And therefore, it's better to be are very selective and cautious uh, in the market and just not get carried away by, you know, the rally that we have seen. Right. 
So few things that you said are about the steep valuations basically driven by better than expected September quarter results and second that you're talking about is the pent up demand which of course isn't at pre-COVID level whereas we started the year with demand at slower pace. As we speak, there is a fresh development of a new strain of virus in the UK with new travel restrictions imposed. Now, if there are further lockdown, how much of it will impact markets outlook going ahead? Yeah, you're right. So, I mean, as a base case, uh, we are not factoring in a major disruption. Mm. And, you know, that is based on the fact that uh, you know, uh, the understanding of the disease is much better than what it was at the start of the year. Mm. Uh, you have seen consistent drop in mortality, not only in India, but across the world. Uh, also, the vaccine, you know, which obviously at the margin will be a significant, uh, uh, you know, element in controlling the pandemic. So, mm. so our base case does not impact the disruption. Uh, we still do not know how uh, the new strain that you talked about uh, is going to uh, impact because uh, what I understand from the experts is essentially that you know such kind of mutation and new strains developing in viruses is common. There mm-hmm. is nothing to suggest that the current treatment protocol or even the vaccine would be ineffective uh, mm-hmm. at this point. But I, I take your point that I think uh, we are dealing with a pandemic uh, of this scale for the first time. It's a novel virus mm-hmm. and therefore... Uh, we may have surprises. Besides, you spoke about liquidity-driven rally. There is an additional U.S. fiscal stimulus of around $900 billion. How long do you think global money will keep supporting Indian markets because at the moment there is no support by the DIS? I think the liquidity obviously uh, you know, is a big, big contributor in my assessment. I mean, uh, the kind of expansion that we have seen in the central bank uh, balance sheet is uh, unprecedented right. and we have seen you know uh, you know proportionate amount of flows coming into india and supporting valuations now look uh, see going forward right i think uh, it's a relative game and you know one of the points that i want to highlight is based on uh, our own economic uh, teams forecast right so if you look at the forecast of uh, india's gdp growth between uh, calendar 20 and 23, mm. uh, oh, sorry, calendar 20 and 22, right? So I am basically, you know, taking uh, CY19 as the base. Right. And, you know, we are kind of uh, ignoring this particular year, which is a aberration in a way. So if I start from December 19 to December 22, and I look at the growth, expectation versus what is the expectation uh, globally, I think the growth differential between India and the rest of the world is at a 17-year low, Mm. right? Now, the point is that uh, I think that's a bit of a concern for me because investors do expect India to grow uh, much faster, right, Uh, given the potential uh, that the country holds. So I think... uh, you know, the liquidity support in general will be there. But at the margin, I think if the growth disappoints in India and the growth is stronger in some of the other economies, uh, you know, you will find, in my view, that incrementally the flow of liquidity into the country uh, may uh, kind of uh, come down somewhat from the levels that we are seeing at this point in time. 
So it is important that we we kind of get the growth back. So Shan, how do you think India is going to recover growth considering the economy is mostly dependent on rural demand and urban demand is almost missing up after covid. Economists are also penciling in a rural demand recovery led by monsoon and government support package. So what's your take? Yeah, so Mr. you're right. I mean, uh, of course, uh, you know, rural India is doing better. Uh, agri is one sector which is actually delivered positive growth uh, mm-hmm. through this pandemic and also if you look at uh, the government support for rural india has been better so mm-hmm. the expenditures by the ministries and departments which are linked to rural india is higher uh, you know it's all up, all, all up almost 13% year on year if i look at uh, the central government and against like the total expenditure being flat uh, also you know things like manrega allocation has been increased so i think uh, rural india is is relatively better off but uh, it's not something which is rocking in the sense that you know you still have an impact uh, which will uh, which will have an impact on rural india because of overall slowdown remittances mm-hmm. are going to be lower so those things are likely to have an impact on rural india as well but nonetheless rural india is definitely better than urban india but mm-hmm. in the second half of this fiscal and also as we look forward to the budget for next year and think about expenditure for the next year uh, and i hope it 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 is a pro growth budget where the government steps in uh, uh, to revive growth even at the cost of higher fiscal deficit so shan what's your earnings expectations for fy22 and fy23 as september quarter earnings was better than expected no doubt but it was mostly led by cost rationalization by companies into things like low crude prices and there were low other raw material costs were down and there was almost nil travel costs by most companies which i think or which most analysts are saying will may wear off soon as the economy picks up again so what do you think will be the earnings in fy22 and fy23 now uh, there are two three points you know which uh, when i look at the earnings in detail which are a, a concern area for me in terms of the kind of expectations we already have so firstly if you look at uh, you know sectors like consumption sector right uh there is a complete divergence that i see between the overall income growth and the revenue growth for these companies mm-hmm. uh i think it's a lot higher than what the overall income growth is likely to be uh mm-hmm. secondly uh, commodity prices if you look at the ebitda margin for the uh, non financial non oil and gas space this is at an all time high compared yeah. to the last 10 years so we are the consensus is projecting the projecting the ebitda margin to be at an all time high and thirdly financials right financials also are a big contributor to earnings and incrementally when you think about growth in financial between fiscal 20 to fiscal 23 almost 30% of the incremental profit growth is coming from financials and there uh, for the larger banks uh, you know there is expectation that the credit cost would be at a multi year low uh, because there's a lot of provisioning done and all of that but if your broader economic growth is going to be slower uh, then uh, it's it's there is a inherent risk of your credit cost actually going higher but that will probably play out in fy23 because what what companies have done or the banks have done essentially is they have already provided a lot for covid in q4 and q1 of this year right uh, so therefore to that extent the provision coverage ratio is quite good 
And we think that in the very near term, it's possible, like when you look at fiscal 22, that the credit cost actually undershoots. But, you know, as you go through this next uh, next year, you will start talking about fiscal 23 and all and beyond. And that's where I think some of those assumptions can get challenged. So broadly, I think overall uh, revenue growth, uh, margin expectation and credit cost. These would be three main concern areas as far as corporate earnings are concerned, given that we are already factoring in a 20% CAGR between fiscal 20 and fiscal 23. Right. All right, Sean. Thanks for that insightful conversation. Of course, when I sit to talk with you, there are many things to discuss, but time is short today. Thanks again for giving your time and wish you a very happy new year. Thanks, Nasreen. Happy new year too. Thank you. For feedback, you can write to me at nasreen.s at lifemint.com or you can reach out to me on Twitter at Nasreen Story. You can also reach out to us at HT Smartcast. We are present on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And to listen to more podcasts like this, you need to log on to www.htsmartcast.com. This was a Mint production brought to you by HT Smartcast. HT Smartcast.